This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. I'm a veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage four prostate cancer, so during the initial stages of the COVID-19 outbreak, my doctors advised me to stay at home. But now, a little more than a year later, I'm fully vaccinated and I've rejoined society. But I'm still continuing this podcast when I'm calling the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who I've met throughout my 30 years in this industry. Plus, this year, I'm going to be calling some people and making new friends. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. I'm a John Weefald fan, always have been. If you don't know who John Weefald is, you're probably not a K-Stater. That's okay. He is the longtime president of Kansas State University. He was brought in in 1986 to fix the university, and you know what he did? He fixed the university. He saved football. He saved enrollment. The town flourished. Everything John Weefald touched for most of his tenure turned to gold. He completely changed the outlook of Kansas State University and the expectations of all of us affiliated with the university. Now, his ending wasn't the greatest. He maybe stayed on a little bit too long. I get that, and I get there are detractors out there to John Weefold. but I was on campus when he arrived, and I know how bad it had gotten, and I know that Kansas State was about to give up football, and he decided to hire one more coach before surrendering and that was Bill Snyder. I am forever indebted to John Weefald for both what he's done for my life, making my degree worth more, helping me build a career because without football, I'm not sitting here today. And I also appreciate his friendship. We often speak on the phone, but today we're going to do something a little different. We're going to speak on the phone and let you listen in. Because this guy helped create the Big 12 among his other accomplishments. And he's the perfect guy to talk to right now when everything about the Big 12 is in turmoil. So now let's call John Weefald, former Kansas State University president in Bay Lake, Minnesota. Hello, Doc. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, listen, you know, you've been a favorite of mine for like 20 years. You're very kind. So, so I'm just glad that you're um, healing well and that um, this podcast is going to do nothing but um, um, be successful. And you're going to have a – I mean, I don't care how long it takes. You're going to get a hell of a lot out of me that you – there is no one in Manhattan. No one. <laughs> No, I say no one that can tell you what's going on like I can. Well, that's why you're here. That's why you're here. First of all, um, give me your quick thoughts on what's going on. Okay, my quick thought is that Bob Bullsby uh, could have picked up on uh, the communications between Texas and Oklahoma. Some people say it's been going on for several years, certainly in the past. Now, how in the wide, wide world of sports would Bob Bolsey, who views himself as an astute and smart gentleman, not have the information at his fingertips like um, six to eight months ago or a year ago that Oklahoma and Texas were, um, shall we say, uh, operating behind his back and the back of the Big 12 to find out the opportunities to go into the SEC? And so I don't think they'd be doing it. At least the athletic directors and the CEOs 
wanted to go to the SEC. Now, can I give you some reasons why they should stay in the Big 12? Absolutely. Now, here's what oh, I try to have a sense of about this, but that is the role of the commissioner. He is the one that leads. We have 10 schools. And, uh, and uh, I will say this. When I put my paper together on the partnership between the Pac-12 and the Big 12, where we'd have, uh, shall we say, games like Texas versus USC, Oklahoma against UCLA, KU against Oregon, uh, K-State against the University of Washington. No, I mean, I think that would have pre- – I don't think we'd be having this conversation about them leaving for the SEC – to find more opportunity because I had it all spelled out in my paper. Uh, and I did this, by the way, um, so you know, Tim, at the direction. I didn't do this on my own. No, I did it at the behest of the president of West Virginia, uh, who also was going to be the chair of the Big 12 uh, CEOs for a couple of years, Gordon Gee. And Gordon Gee is probably the most brilliant fundraiser, and he's a great analyst. So I spent two months working on this partnership paper, and uh, and Gordon Gee declared it masterful and excellent, and uh, that this is something that would improve the uh, football experiences for our fans and our players and our coaches. Even Nick Saban spelled all that out. Hell, we don't want to play Indiana State. We want to play a Power 5 school. So what I had in my paper was something so easy, which is the three non-conference games that schools and the Pac-12 and the Big 12 had, that they would be scheduled against the teams from the other conference. And like I say, there'd be exciting games like Texas, uh, uh, well, versus USC, a replay of the championship game in 2006. Um, Oklahoma playing um, uh, UCLA. Um you know, and K-State playing the University of Washington, uh, where we were better prepared than we were in 1990 when we had about five uh, Division One players on the team. Anyway, so, I, I mean, I spent two months on this paper, Tim. Gordon Gee, he read every paragraph of my proposal, and he liked the way it was finished. And I said, well, what do you think the commissioner— uh, what do you think the commissioner is going to say or do? He said, well, I've talked to him about it and several of the presidents, and and uh, I think he rather likes it. Now, listen, uh, I haven't told this publicly to anyone else. Okay, so Bob Bowlesby gave me a call. He's the commissioner of the Big 12. And he said, um, John, I've read your paper. Before I tell you what I think about it, I, I still am irritated that you didn't hire me as your athletic director in 1988. Tim, I tell you what, coming from the commissioner when he's supposed to call me about my new proposal, he caught me flat-footed. And uh, I, I still think that for all these, let's see, how many years, 40 years, that he's had this as an irritation. Are you kidding me? that this guy from Northern Iowa, who is a candidate for the athletic director, and we picked Steve Miller because he was a former track coach and he knew a lot of people and he was an optimist and he helped us get Bill Snyder. I I don't think, uh, no, I don't think um, we would have had any luck getting Bill Snyder if our uh, athletic director is um, the now present uh, commissioner of uh, the Big 12. So, okay, so uh, let me move on to this. Let me ask you this, Tim. Have you heard from Bob Bowlesby uh, any comments on why Oklahoma and Texas should stay in the Big 12? I have not. That's an interesting point. Yeah, and he's their damn commissioner. Are you kidding? I mean, uh, to lose Oklahoma and Texas, you know, our fans would just, I'm sure they're just... uh, trembling right now, which I am too, because ordinarily, if Oklahoma (laughs) and Texas leave, uh, it's over for the Big 12. Now, here's what I would say 
if I'm a, a board member at Oklahoma uh, and let's say at Texas, and I can talk to the president and the athletic director about uh, what conference should you stay in? Why in the wide world of sports are you talking to the SEC? Okay, first of all, you know Oklahoma and Texas run the Big 12. No, they run the Big 12. If they don't like something, it doesn't happen. If they do like it, it more than likely will happen. That's not going to be the way it is in the SEC. There are going to be two members uh, among many. Um, uh, second, um, the amount of uh, TV money for the Big 12 and the SEC today they're, they're pretty close. I, I think we're at about $40 million. And, you know, that's, I mean, you can't imagine. If you're the AD and you get a $40 million check and it's discretionary, I would say in the SEC it's 45 to 46. So it's not that much more. And, by the way, we let uh, Texas keep the, the Longhorn Network, and no one watches it, but they get 15 to $18 million a year uh, from the uh, – from ESPN. And so um, so the third thing is, and this is the most important, winning football games. Now, uh, Tim, I ask you, let's say you were the AD at um, Oklahoma or Texas, and uh, you said to them, now, look, we'd like to have you in the SEC. And we know in the, in the Big 12 you're playing Kansas, Kansas State, Iowa State, and maybe Baylor. Okay, so now you're going to the SEC where you're going to play LSU, uh, Alabama, Auburn, Georgia, Florida, et cetera, et cetera. In other words, their goal of getting in the Final Four is so much easier in the Big 12. Yeah, You know, like Texas finished, uh, I think he finished with 10 wins this year, even though he wasn't kept around. I think Herman won 10 games. If you're Texas and Oklahoma, Tim, is there any doubt in your mind that they're going to win more games if they stay in the Big 12 than if they move to the SEC? No. I mean, there's no way. Even if you're Oklahoma that can compete at that level, you're still going to run into so much more interference. Oh, yeah. I mean, so if you're Oklahoma, you know where you don't have the same players? The front four. No, Oklahoma, yeah. even great Oklahoma doesn't have a front four like Alabama, Auburn, uh, Georgia, and Florida. You know, their front four is, you know, oh, man, we would have given anything to get one of those guys at K-State. So their front fours are unbelievable. Okay, let's just leave that aside. So Oklahoma definitely can, can compete. And I think Texas, under this new coach who – we almost got as a community college transfer back in uh, the mid 1990s. That's right. He wanted to come to Kansas State and be the quarterback. That. But anyway, um, so there's no question that Texas and Oklahoma are going to win more ball games in the Big 12 than they would in the SEC. So I ask you, why in the hell? Are they going to the SEC where they're probably going to lose more games than they ever have in the Big 12? And, you know, in the Big 12, Tim, you know Texas and Oklahoma run the Big 12. I put the Big 12 together with two or three other presidents uh, from 92 to 94. And I was at the big meeting in uh, January of 1994 when uh, we had, uh, let's see, I think 14 presidents there from the Southwest Conference in the Big Eight. And we went around the room, and it was 13-0 and 0 for uh, unification. And then we got to Texas, and uh, Bob Birdall said, I've got to think about this. And then, no, I probably haven't told you this in the past. Uh, this guy's a soft-spoken former provost at Illinois. He's now the president at Texas. And so he, let's say he'd been president for two years. He went into a diatribe about how much he hated the Southwest Conference, that Texas lost more games than it won. They weren't uh, keeping the basketball recruits in Texas like they should. Uh, the Southwest Conference was hindering them, uh, according to Birdall. So anyway, he said, I have to think about it. 
Oh my, I, you know, I almost started swearing because that was my bellwether school that I'm looking for uh, to join the big eight. If they come, then we can pick out the other four or five schools from the Southwest conference. So I said to uh, my friend from uh, the university of Colorado, and they did have some people that liked the big eight. And I said, let's set up a conference call with uh, Texas Let's give them 10 days to two weeks. And so in two weeks, we had a conference call. Now, I never asked who was on the phone. Now, I told, I knew Texas was on the phone. <laughs> but, um, so I knew all eight of us were on. So I said, you know, I'm kind of, you know, running things in a way. Okay, what do you guys in Texas, because they're all Texas schools, you know, and that's why they didn't like it. What do you guys in Texas want us to do? Now, who spoke up? Bob Burdall from the University of Texas. And here's he said this. Oh, you have to be just a comedian to believe it. He said, here's what we've decided. I think he should have said, here's what I've decided. <laughs> because if, if they were one of the officials <laughs> that ran the Big 12, you know Texas is running the Southwestern Conference. So here's what Birdall said. Here's what we've decided. We want you to invite Texas A&M, Texas Tech, Baylor, and uh, Texas. And so the next week we said, okay, I'm calling it the Big 12. You, any disagreement knows all. So we had 12 schools, and we called it the Big 12. And then when we met in Dallas, then we saw that uh, – you know, we're not, <laughs> this isn't going to be easy because Texas has set several absolutes. Like, for example, um, see, in the Big Eight, uh, we could take any amount of, uh, shall we say, freshmen that barely made it. Whereas uh, in the Southwestern Conference, I, I mean, believe it or not, they didn't take uh, students with, a, a, you know, a, a 1.9 or a 2 and you know, let them uh, sit out for a year and then play. Well, we had like three kids like that. I think most schools had three or four. No, Nebraska had like 25. And who were they? Great tailbacks, great receivers, a front four that the NFL would, uh, you know, really like. And so um, so, so Texas, uh, Bertall said, look, we're only going to allow one of these transfers, one, down from infinity. And so it was an 11-to-1 vote. Nebraska voted against it. And they finally got out, you know, like uh, 12, 13 years later. So why hasn't Bob Bowlesby? Tim, I ask you this because you are uh, in the public eye. You know, you have your um, podcast and don't you uh, have a website? Okay, so you have all of the ingredients for people to tune in and to join in and to hear your voice. So you you can affirm with me that you haven't heard Bob Bullsby say anything. Yeah, it's it's incredible. I think he's laying low because he's a little embarrassed. I mean, just one week ago he said realignment was done, that everything had changed. No. And, and he just oh. so publicly whiffed on that statement it's got to be humiliating well at all that i'm so glad to hear that tim that i mean you're reaffirming my uh, sense that he is saying nothing and uh you know when i brought up my paper my partnership paper i think i think i gave you a copy at the time and uh but the thesis is very simple it dropped the three non-conference games against indiana state and uh, Illinois State. And every school is going to play three Power Five schools from the other conference. And by the way, would that resurrect the Pac-12 like overnight? Half their games would be in Central Standard Time. Their fans are going to want to see not Idaho State or Idaho. They want to see Texas. Okay, so you're a historian. I, w I want to mm -hmm. put it this way. <clears throat> and please tell me I'm completely wrong uh, mm -hmm. if I am. Bob Bowlesby's a nice guy. He's been a great manager of the conference since the last realignment blow-up led to his hiring. Mm -hmm. But he's just become Neville Chamberlain. 
he's uh, totally okay. missing the Yo, movements around the world well, well, of college football. Listen, I, I don't disagree with that metaphor either because Chamberlain came back with that paper saying we have peace in our time yeah. with Hitler and we don't have to worry about it. He could have taken my – it's about a six-page paper. It's very uncomplicated. I mean, think about this, Tim. If we play, if K-State can play USC and Oregon and Washington, now those are all tough teams, but at play them, are our fans going to show up for those games? Uh, and, and uh, you know, they're, they're not all going to be at home. It'd be one and two and two and one. And Texas fans having an opportunity to replay USC or UCLA playing Oklahoma. Yeah. So Oklahoma and Texas would have three games, three extra games with power five schools in the Pac-12 that are, you know, internationally known. Some of the best educational institutions in America are in the Pac-12. So why didn't he jump at this? Just he could have called the Big 12 uh, the Pac-12 commissioner. We, we've been at 10 teams now, uh, well, since 2010. And you remember we were so grateful when Texas decided to stay. So we, it's been over 10 years. But why would a guy like Bowlesby think that it's going to continue forever? So he could have picked up on my proposal, which Gordon Gee loved. And I think uh, the guys at Kansas State liked it too. I mean, they didn't comment too much on it. But it was so simple. We'd each drop the non-conference games that nobody cares about, nobody wants to go to, to three more. So you'd have 12 Power 5 games. We'd be leading the world. And Nick Saban is going for that, but he can't get everybody to drop their non-conference games in the SEC. So um, so here, here's the thing. So as I look at it, uh, Texas and Oklahoma, if they go into the SEC, uh, they're not ever looking at 11 wins, except rarely, where they can win 11 games in one year. Because they're going to be playing. Every team's got a front four that the NFL envies. Uh, and only a few schools in the Big 12 have uh, you know, a front four like that. And uh, so, okay, you know, they're going to lose more games in the SEC than they would if they stayed in the Big 12. Uh, another point is they run the Big 12 right now. You know, when, when they, let's say they came up with a couple of uh, uh, things that they would like, we'd all vote for it. But they run the Big 12. And here's the other thing. Okay, let's say we lose Texas and Oklahoma. Does Bob Bowlesby have a backup plan? Tim, can, no. can I ask you that? No, Does I don't. He? he never saw this coming. I mean, how do you plan for something you never expected? Well, how did he not see it coming? Doesn't he have any spies anywhere? It was, it's, it's unfathomable to me. So it either, yeah. either he didn't so see it coming or he knew yeah. about it and ran cover for, for Texas instead of looking out for the interests of the rest of the conference. And either way, it's a bad, bad thing if you're the Big 12. Exactly. And and uh, uh, not just for K-State, but for all the schools. I would still say we have eight good schools. So here's my backup plan. Memphis and Cincinnati. They both have good football and basketball. Okay. And then how about uh, the University of Central Florida and the University of South Florida? They're Great. both 50,000 students each. Okay, now we're at 12. Tim, I ask you this. If we add Cincinnati and Memphis, and you know they're they both, one's got a great basketball coach from the NBA. The other one's got a great uh, linebacker coach from Ohio State. Geez, what he's doing in Cincinnati, he's a top 10 program now. Okay, then the two Florida schools, you know they both thirst for a major conference. And if we get those two, let's just say, okay, Oklahoma and Texas leave. If we added Memphis and Cincinnati and the University of Central Florida and South Florida, I think we'd like to have the great athletes they've got and have them join the Big 12. Well, and then as another backup, how about the Big 12 becoming the conference 
of the three military academies, Army, Air Force, and Navy. I mean, do you, do you think our fans would go and see Navy play or Air Force or Army? Yeah. We'd fill up the stadium for all three. Uh, do you think they would like to be part of a Power Five conference? Absolutely. So it's like uh, we've got those two schools plus the two Florida schools plus the three military academies. We could go to 16 schools if if we had a commissioner who knew what the hell he was doing. I agree with almost everything there. I The number one thing fans need to understand is – there's nothing on the college sports horizon that's tangible for the Big 12, including membership in the Pac-12. I mean, K-State's not getting into the Big 10. I think we recognize that. Whether you're talking about expanding the Big 12 or joining the Pac-12 or even ACC, there's there's nothing that will match the money. There just isn't. And we need to oh, come to grips with that. The only winners are uh... – are uh, Oklahoma and Texas, right. and I think they're going to lose by winning. I mean, they're they're going to lose more football games than the SEC, and they're going to wake up and say, "What the hell are we doing playing Georgia, Florida, LSU, uh, and Auburn in a row?" The schools that I've mentioned, don't you think they would be attractive for, uh, you know, if we could get the two Florida schools, Memphis and Cincinnati, and let's say. Uh, the three military schools that would be like uh, that'd that, be fifteen, yeah, and, and yeah, that'd be good. Yeah, and maybe BYU. What are your thoughts on BYU? Yeah, I would say at this point, yeah, let's bring them in because they have a national audience. You know, they're like Notre Dame. No, I would say yeah, bring. I would add Brigham Young, and then we'd have sixteen schools. And so, you see, you and I have come up with an alternative right away uh, in uh, thinking about it for a half hour. We've got the schools to bring the Big 12 without Oklahoma and Texas up to uh, how many would that be if we have Brigham Young then? 16? 16. That would be, oh, man. So it would be West, and we have all the Mormons, and uh, and we'd have uh, – the military academies, they have national followings. And, uh, you know, they would fill up their stadiums with our schools and vice versa. And uh, Memphis, uh, you know, in basketball, they're a top 20 program now, aren't they, with that? Uh, oh, yeah. What's your, Penny, what's Hardaway. Your Penny Hardaway. Yeah, exactly. So, well, they are rolling in basketball. I'd say their football team is pretty darn good, too. So why aren't we getting some input on uh, where we're going to go if Oklahoma and Texas leave? I don't know. I'm hearing rumors about Kansas talking to the Big Ten, a group of schools talking to the Pac-12, you know, most notably Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Um, but you got TCU in that mix, and you got Houston even being rumored to be hopping in here trying to get into the Pac-12 with a, a mostly Texas uh, grouping of schools. It's it's really disturbing for me and for fans. It's unsettling, I think is a better word. Unsettling that we've gone into a weekend following just earth-shattering news about conference realignment, and we haven't heard mm-hmm. a peep from Kansas State. Not one word has been released by Kansas State about this, and nor are they commenting uh, behind the scenes and, and saying this is what we're working on. Oh, it see, appears was, they're not working oh. on anything other than trying to salvage the Big 12, but you better have a plan B because Bob Bowles, we didn't have a plan B, and here we are. You haven't heard from anybody at Kansas State, either from the president or the AD? No. There, there's been oh. nothing released. That's a shame, you know, because here I am up here in Minnesota, and we've already come up with uh, we already come up with a new conference that I think is would pass the test as a Power Five conference. No, we did it in like what a half hour. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, make you get this out there. If Oklahoma and Texas leave, and I think they're going, I think they're going to leave. Uh, we've got a list of uh, six, fifteen or sixteen schools that would make up for a Big 12 conference that have national uh, followings, you know, from uh, the Army and the Navy to Brigham Young. with, uh, And we'd keep the Texas schools. Listen, you know, Kansas State would be left out. 
if the Texas schools got in to the Pac-12. Hey, it's Fitz. Let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Doc, you sound great, and I am forever thankful that you were president of Kansas State because you accomplished so much. You changed my trajectory in life and so many others. But, man, you have done a lot for this school and this town, and thank you. Oh, well, thank you so much, Jim. You've always been a dear friend. I've known that forever. But So uh, I was president from uh, 1986 to uh, 2009. And, uh, well, I, I shouldn't brag now about what we got done, but we built 34 new buildings. Uh, and when you add in uh, a building attached to another building, uh, we added 6 million square feet uh, to the university in a campus of 9 million square feet, grand square feet. And so uh, it was uh, Pat Roberts and I sitting in my uh, uh, living room in 2006, and I said to Pat, I, I think we can win this race for NBAT. And no one else thought about that. And so, and and then our team embraced it. I named that building after Pat Roberts, you know, that, uh, that uh, food safety building. And so we used that building. The undersecretary said when he came through Kansas City, he said, Mr. President, if we select you, do, will you give us this building? I said, sir, Absolutely. Anyway, we had a great uh, a great application, and then Sue Peterson and, and Ron Truen and Paul Lowe and Jim Geikema, they spent, they were on the phone Monday through Friday for about three months talking to speakers, majority leaders, and uh, I got the call on December 1 of 2008, not some other guy in Manhattan. I got the call on December 1. From the secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, and he said, John, we are awarding NBAP to you and Kansas State. And so, you know, it's like, you know, it's a long time ago. I want people to remember it wouldn't be there without Pat Roberts and me. No, okay, without Pat Roberts and me? Yeah, no one else said that we could ever give it. You know, I'm the constant optimist. No, I said, listen, we we, we can get this. Because we have 230 people that are uh, uh, national experts in the food safety uh, arena. And so, uh, and uh, we made it bipartisan. There was no partisanship. We had the governor, all the senators, all of the leadership team in both houses. No, and, and so we got $120 million to the legislature for this because they liked us so much. So we get the greatest thing. You know, you can see it, it, it's almost a rival to our entire campus. We had uh, 129 roads, marshals, Trumans, and Goldwaters. So we were announcing Goldwaters and Trumans like once every month. And have you heard from anybody in the administration that they've got a— Truman or a Rhodes or a Marshall. I haven't heard I, of anything, no. Yeah, we got 129 in my 23 years. And in the second place, with I think Arizona State with 90. You remember when I got there? We were down 5,000 students in enrollment. Was, I remember uh, well because I was on campus. I was. You arrived my <laughs> senior year. Okay. 
But you remember there were pessimists saying, uh, you know, it's so bad we're going to fall to about 12,000. Yep, I remember it well. Okay, so we were at 15,000. So when I left in 2009, we were at 24,000. So we got the enrollment up from 15,000 to 124. Now, I, you know what? I don't know what the hell it is today. It's probably down around 18,000. Okay, so on uh, fundraising, we were raising $3 million when I got there, uh, maybe two. We had nothing. And when I left, we were raising $100 million a year. And uh, then in competitive grants, we were at like $18 million. Like we were 110th in the nation. And when I left, we were 75th. We were at $134 million. Now, schools like Iowa State and Colorado State, they never were a Votech like we were from, let's say, 1900 to, well, about the time I got there. Well, let's think of football. You, you know, uh, you know, I was a partner with Snyder. I, I don't think Bill would have come uh, to Kansas State if I hadn't been there. So he came, and you remember we put this $40 million uh, grant together. Um, and so uh, a bond issue... And we built the new indoor, and we added 2,500 seats on the east side, and we redid the coaching, uh, the whole coaching complex. So it was really, you know, in 1994, people said we had the nicest in the Big 12, or let's say right up there. And, of course, then uh, Curry added a few when he was there. So uh, they were real nice buildings. And as you know... Um, you know, Ron Hudson said this. He said, "If John Weefall is not at K State, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's going to be a football revival." You no, know, he said that he was with us for, for yeah. 15 years. I, I, Doc, I agree with that, 100. percent That's 100 percent true. You said a phrase that sums you up pretty well. You said <laughs> you're a constant optimist. You, yes, you're always you're not looking at things of how they are. And you're not looking at things in terms of, woe is us, we've got so many problems, what are we going to do? And i got to be honest, right. I'm hearing that a lot from K-Staters right now. You look for they solutions. Say, you look for ways to elevate oh, okay. and solve problems. And I've always appreciated that about you because yeah. that's what drove football to be successful and build yeah. all those facilities. That's what drove enrollment. That's what drove fundraising. The way you recrafted Kansas State was masterful. I'm stroking your ego now. It was masterful and not fully appreciated, but I do appreciate it because I was on campus when you arrived. I know how crappy Kansas State was becoming, how the university lacked any kind of vision. And I want vision no. now. I want vision, not, not yep. hopes. Of I want vision. I want someone yeah. to be the optimist and step up and say, hey, it's going to be okay. We're going to make the best possible solution out of this we can yeah and that's the way i approach life yeah and we need to hear this from uh the leaders that be uh, I, I like both of them very much the ad and the president but good guys they have to be heard yeah. and they have to come up with a plan we've come up with a plan like right here on your show we've come up with was it 16 schools yeah yeah, and that would do it. I mean, we would be a Power 5 school if we had the three uh, military academies and uh, in Cincinnati and uh, and uh, uh, Memphis. Memphis. And let's say one of the Florida schools or both of them. I think both of them would be great because they're both <laughs> – oh, man, how would you like to have uh, the top 22 guys at Central Florida at Kansas State? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's. I think we, yeah, and we've got good players now, and I like our coaches and so forth. But we would really uh, uh, gain a lot by having those two Florida schools in because we could go into Florida, and uh, you know, there's 300 football players there that can play anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's like uh, Texas has got 350, and Florida's got 280 to 300. I want to go back to the. Uh, National Bio and Agro-Defense Facility, MBAF, as we know it. Yeah. Um, I still don't think people fully realize 
what this means for Manhattan, Kansas, because it's not open yet. Yeah. I mean, we still haven't seen the the kind of rush of science moving to Manhattan, which I expect oh, in the next 10 years. Yeah, um, yeah I agree. And, and there'll be some downsides. There's no doubt about it. The cost of living will go up. Uh, housing is already – Doc, you wouldn't believe the price of houses in this town now already um, uh-huh. because, as you well know, we're trapped between reservoir, military base – floodplain. <laughs> we don't have much room to go, even though we're in the middle no. of Kansas. Uh, but okay, it, it's an amazing thing for Manhattan, and it's going and to... people don't appreciate it yet. Yeah, no, they don't. They really don't. You know, here's what I would say about NBAP, to make it easy. Okay, the Center for Disease Control is the world operation for uh, human illnesses and human uh, ailments. This center is going to be the center for animal diseases and otherwise all over for the world. So we're going to be the equivalent of the CDC for human health. We're going to be animal health. So we're going to be the world leaders in animal health forever. Incredible. And so I uh, I got our top people, Jim Coppin, the greatest provost ever, Tom Ross, and vice president for finance, the best vice president for finance in the history of Kansas. So the, those two are the best Kansas states ever had. And then Pat Boscoff for enrollment, the best ever. Uh, Sue Peterson, the best ever for legislative relations with the legislature and the Congress. Uh, and then Ron Truen is the vice president for um Research. So uh, uh, Chuck Reagan, my chief of staff, geez, he did. He listen. Have you heard anything about a Landon lecture? Well, they got suspended for this year, but yeah, I, they're not quite no, at the same level. Can you think of the uh, a remarkable lecture, a Landon lecture? No, there, it's kind of like what the hell has happened to the Landon lectures? You know, and so you you look at what we had: three presidents. Uh, uh, four secretaries of state, two secretaries of defense, the former president of the Soviet Union, former president of Poland. We we had the best lecture series in America, better than anything at Harvard or Yale. And I just think it's dead now. The Landon lectures, if they're not dead, they're in a five-year doormat. You know, uh, Chuck Reagan did a great job on the Landon lectures. Mike, you know, we, I, if we wanted somebody, uh, you know, we did. We sent Chuck to Washington D.C. He would go into the office of the Secretary of State. Oh, we got the head of the FBI. You know, Mueller, mm-hmm. the guy that did the uh, Trump probe. We had we had uh, Mueller here. No, we had so many different people here. Oh, hey, here's another one. How about the marching band? Yeah. No, you're you're talking to the guy. Okay, so uh, uh, you probably don't remember when you were in school. You know, the marching band was down to about 110. 110 people. Okay, and they use these little steps. These little steps. They didn't have the Big Ten temple. You know, the marching like man. Look at the Michigan band mm-hmm. coming out of the field. Okay, so they had uh, chances, two chances in a row. They hired two band directors in a row. And uh, this is would be in 1991, uh, 92. And they were here like for three or four months each and left. So then when the next one came up, you know what I said? No, I'm going to find the band director this time. You know, that's not the role of the president. So I set up a search committee uh, with uh, people in the foundation, the alumni, Anderson Hall. We had like a 12-person search committee. And I said the music department can go ahead and have their own search. We had ours. Anyway, um, we had this, uh, uh, this one application by the name of Frank Trace. I think he was second on our list. And when it was over, I said to Pat, look, God damn it, we've got the band director. No, we've got them. So you tell them to go over and interview with the music department, but we're hiring Frank Trace. And then he sent me a memo in July, I think it was of uh, 93. He said, I've got nothing over here. I've got no secretary. I've got no assistant. 
the our instruments are wearing out. Our uniforms are, you know, like Civil War type. So I started sending him $25,000 a year, let's say 92. So every year he got better. You remember when we went to the Fiesta Bowl? Our band was 350. And today it's over 400. It's one of the top 10 marching bands in the country. Frank won the best uh, conducting award. So I branched out. You know, if things weren't going, I thought, what the hell, let's fix it. So we fixed it and got a great band director. Right. So, uh, you know, I don't want to say I did everything because the team I put together, Jim Coppin as provost, uh, Tom Rosson as vice president for finance, Sue Peterson for legislative uh, relations, uh, Chuck Reagan as my chief of staff, uh, Beth Unger for IT in 93, Pat Bosco for enrollment. You know what? We could have. You know what? We could have operated 3M. Our team was so good, we could have run 3M. You have to have good people. Right. That's that's the key in it. You got to have good people. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the things yeah. I learned from you, Doc. And my dad did the same thing uh, as a former football coach and then an insurance guy that had employees. You got to hire good people. Teach them what you, you want do, and get the hell out of the way and let them do their thing. Exactly. Let them do their job. And you know what they do? They rise to the occasion. Right. So They do. They, so all of these guys I just told you about, uh, men and women, were great problem solvers. The, uh, above everything else, I wanted people with attention to detail, a sense of urgency, and to solve problems. But then big problems came to my desk, and I was probably as good a problem solver as anybody uh, that K-State's ever had. I just knew how to solve problems. You know, I hope people understand that we we got a lot done. Well, let me bring this uh, full circle as we kind of wrap up. I I mentioned uh, I feel like the current commissioner of the Big 12s, Neville Chamberlain, and the conference desperately needs a Churchill. They need someone that's going to come in and not care if he makes people mad, not care if uh, he's uh, saying things that make people uncomfortable. He's going to, with force of will, get things done. Tim, how about this? Do something. (laughs) He hasn't done anything. And just very quickly again, Tim, let's say you're the AD at Texas. Here's what I would say to you. Okay, be careful of what you wish for. You know, Texas is an elite institution. And, uh, and sure, they, they could easily be in the Big Ten. They're that good academically. But they're our best academic school in the Big 12. But why go into the SEC where very few of those schools are top 50 uh, academically, I mean. And then they run the Big 12. No, I can assure you of that. From <laughs> you know, I, I and I was anything Texas wanted over the years that I was there, I supported. That's how important they are to the Big Twelve. And now we have a commissioner who is is not articulating any solutions, is not showing Texas and Oklahoma that they're better off to stay in the Big Twelve. No, he's in hiding. I would say, you know, no one's talked to him. So, uh, you know, he is, he's not what I would call a great, I'm glad I didn't hire him as AD in 1980. <laughs> he's not a problem solver. So, you know, he's not a visionary, Tim. He's not a visionary. He should be out there right now telling Texas and Oklahoma why they should not join the SEC. Indeed. Doc, I appreciate it so much. I hope hope you and uh, Ruth Ann are doing great. Hope the yeah, kids we are, are great. Yeah. Yes, uh, they are. Uh, 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 Andy's a professor at Kansas State Leadership Studies. Nice. Skip is selling uh, steel for for uh, Manhattan Steel, and he's doing it in Miami Beach. That's nice. That's a that's yeah. a nice location to be in. Yeah, so he's doing all the business that he needs to, and so and then we have grandkids. Everybody loves coming up here. We have a beautiful uh, place on Bay Lake, but uh, 
you know, I could just as easily uh, be uh, happy in an apartment in, in Manhattan. Now, what town exactly are you in in Minnesota? Uh, so we're like two hours north of Minneapolis. You go straight up on Highway 169, and you take it really uh, pretty much all the way to uh, Brainerd. It's two hours north of uh, Minneapolis, and it's 18 miles from Brainerd. So we're on Bay Lake. Uh, a lot of wealthy Twin City people uh, have lake homes up here because it's only two hours away from their work. Man. Well, I'm glad you're doing well, Doc. You sound great. Hey, listen, I am great, and uh, I love Kansas State because we have a plan. I mean, you and I came up with a plan in an hour. And so they can come. You can tell them what the hell our plan is. <laughs> I will. I will. Thank you, Doc. Okay, appreciate well, it. God ton. bless you. Love you, brother. Okay. And call me anytime. Love you, brother. You, you know I will. Okay. Goodbye. Okay. One of the things that I like about John Weefald, and it also turns off a lot of people. I understand that. He's a self-promoter. He always knows how to put his story out there and make sure people don't forget it. And honestly, people shouldn't forget it. And some people are. Some people only want to see him through a narrow little time frame in which things weren't quite functioning to the satisfaction of them. But without him, Kansas State would be a much different place. Manhattan would be a much different place. And my life would be a much different thing. He's 83 now living with his wife, Ruth Ann, up on Bay Lake, Minnesota. Beautiful, wonderful setting. And he's a great guy. But I'm telling you, if you think this phone call was long, you should probably hear the other ones we have. Because when he gets going, and I love getting him going on history, which is his background, it's incredible. Well, that's it for this edition of the Life of Fitz podcast. Make sure, men, you are getting your PSA scored. Go do it. Quit messing around if you're 45 or older. And I'll keep saying it even if you do or don't. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town. And they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd. Exclusively on Paramount+.